We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius, and we got our first win. We're recording... Uh, probably 30, 45 minutes after the game. So have not had a chance to rewatch or anything like that. We're just reacting. Darius, it felt like we needed one. Uh, Lost on Friday to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Anthony Davis did not play. He gutted it out in this one. And uh, a few guys stepped up. Lakers get a win, their first win of the season against the Denver Nuggets. Last team to get their first win, but much needed, man. No, shout out to Darvin Ham. First career coaching mm-hmm. win for Coach Ham. So super happy for him. Super happy for the guys as well. Um, Pete, we've seen a lot of Lakers teams that have struggled over the years. And I think I said this a couple of pods ago, but one of the things that you always want to see happen is when you see guys playing the right way, you see them continuing to play hard. You want them to be rewarded for that with a win here or there. We know the Lakers have been disadvantaged a fair amount of times from a talent perspective. We know all of the stats about the shooting, and we'll get to more about the shooting tonight because it was a great bounce back game from a lot of guys who shot the ball really well tonight. But you just want to see them rewarded for their effort. You want to see them rewarded for their commitment. Um, I think Coach Ham has really been taking the right tack with a lot of these guys and with his comments to the media post game and, and just like imploring his guys to stick with it, stick with it. You heard it after the Timberwolves game that they thought they were close to breaking through and they were tonight, Pete. And, and so, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts because it was a super interesting game. Um, and I don't know where you want to start, but I think we'd be remiss if if like we didn't at least shout out to Russell Westbrook. Um, right. Because I thought this was one of his best games as a Laker from my perspective, just in terms of his competitiveness on both sides of the ball, 
um, how hard he played defensively. I thought the spirit that he imbued the team with, particularly in the non-LeBron lineups, was super important and impressive. And the pace that he played with, I thought, particularly in the second and the third quarter, was super impressive. I love that we're starting with Russ. This weekend, we had our the first two games where he's come off of the bench in a very long time. And, you know, there's been some thought and question about how would that work? Is that something that he would accept? And if you think about like one of Darvin Ham's jobs to start this season is to find what the right place is for a lot of new guys and a lot of like kind of parts that may not fit naturally. And that we were texting in the first half of the game, like what the hell is LeBron doing? Right? Like LeBron was having a very, very strange half from a focus standpoint, just missed a lot of layups. Uh, It's made, you know, several turnovers over the last couple of games, going back to the first Denver game. He had eight that night, Um, just kind of uncharacteristic turnovers. And I thought Russ, when he came into the game and the same thing happened in the Minnesota game, he just, like up the intensity and the pace and the speed and just the, he looked like Russell Westbrook and really more than anything else, that's been the thing that's been, that I've been flummoxed by from it really the last year or so, uh, or, or really the last, like the last half of last season into the first part of this year is like, Russ is one of those guys I feel like as NBA fans, we're all very familiar with his game and he's got such a unique game as well that like, we're used to him looking a certain way, whether it's whether he's successful or not, isn't really my point. It's that he's a fireball careening down the court when he's himself. And I felt like he's lost a lot of that to the point where it's like, can Russ not do this anymore? He's not getting yeah. by guys. Right. And I think that one thing that's uh, he's really hunting small or less physical guards like he really targeted D'Angelo Russell in the last game, Jamal Murray. Right. But that's where he's going to win his battles. Hey, he took yeah. it to Jamal Murray this game. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, these dudes have no chance against him. And if could you imagine saying that about any defender against Russell Westbrook just a week and a half ago? Like, oh, that Mm -hmm. dude has no chance against Russell Westbrook because it honestly looked like Russ was the guy who had no chance against most of the defenses that he was playing against. And we saw how teams were putting centers on him to close out games. And the Lakers really didn't have a lot of solutions for that. And maybe teams will go back to that in the future and we'll see what that looks like. But I'm glad you zeroed in on looking like himself because When Russ is at his best, we've heard a lot of people comment about the lack of joy in his game, like John Wall had mentioned it. um, Paul George had mentioned it as well. And I think if you ask any Lakers fan, they would tell you that's just like he he doesn't look happy. Like he just doesn't look happy. Right. But one of the things that has been a trademark to me, at least when watching Russ, when he's at his best, it's sort of this level of disdain that he carries for his opponents and like this level of like, who do you think you are trying to play Mm -hmm. to my level? And I saw him do that against the Lakers plenty Mm -hmm. over the last like half decade or so. Rocking the baby, shrugging the shoulders after you bump someone off. Bumping off. But just like, who do you, yeah, that who do you think you are? Like you have no chance to guard me. Yeah, like you have no shot against me. In fact, like I'm almost I'm almost like 
upset that you're trying like like it's 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 sort of this this conceit of like no 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 you and i are not the same right and Mm -hmm. and look we've all seen russ have his flame outs and struggles during the playoffs and i think it's that the way that he's carried himself in that way that i've just just described fans have then used that as a reason to mock him Right. It's just like, oh, you're you think that you're this. But in reality, you're this other thing. Right. Like you're the guy that can that is actually at the heart of the scheme that the other team is going to use against you. And you're not going to be able to beat it because you're not the level of player that you purport yourself to be by how you talk down to opponents and like the way that that you carry yourself. Right. And it's one of the reasons why Russ is the most. I don't know, man, like like he's the most polarizing player in the league, really. Like he's right up there with some of the other great, great, great players who he is not the same quality as. But it's just like the way like that sort of divisiveness that 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 he creates that that's that's been a part of of what's made him a great player. I think in this league is is that he's 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 carried that with him. And honestly, man, like that was gone. All, all of that was gone, and and he was I've just been another guy. Really, one of the most surprising things about the experience of having him on the team has been that right there. Just that like lack of. I don't want to say like, confidence, where did he go? but yeah, no, the yeah. spirit, the 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 like. I had I I I had talked to you about this offline last year, um, where it's just like where I was talking about like grilling, right, and. And how you have the the little like um, grapes that are on the bottom, like of your little Weber pit, right? And you open those up in order to let the air in, and that like stokes the coals and and gets the coals hot. And, and Russ is was one of those guys where where he thrived off of that air, like you could it it propelled him in in a way, and all of those were closed for him and. And whatever sort of fire that was symbolic of what his game was, that had disappeared. And we caught glimpses of it, I thought, against the Timberwolves. But the Lakers were shorthanded. They didn't have AD. And I thought some of those bench units fell flat because the Lakers weren't able to stagger their groups the way that you would have wanted them to. And then Russ ran into a bit of a wall in the second half of of that game where he had a really good second quarter and then did not have a good second half. Well, this game, I thought, um, and this is where I think it'd be a good part to talk about Anthony Davis, is Anthony Davis did play in this game. And LeBron, when LeBron went to the bench in the third quarter, um, it was Russ and AD that were out there together. And I think they were out there with Matt Ryan and um, Lonnie Walker. And I can't remember who the fifth player was. I think Austin was was the fifth um, guy, yeah. That group played with great pace. Russ was the one who was pushing the pace. And Lonnie was great during that that stretch as well, but having AD out there as that other player who um, can score and play inside, but also just offer a level of defense that this team sorely needs um, from the three-point line all the way down to to protecting the paint. Talk to me a little bit about 
Anthony Davis in this game. Um, and then or, and also give me whatever thoughts you had on Russ to close out that part of things as yeah, well. AD, um, I thought, provided a level of two way superstardom that was really important in this game. One of the more difficult asks, I think, is to be a banger five, which is really what you're asked to do on a lot of nights. Like, think about the fives that AD has played so far. Had Looney on opening night, similar size uh, type of guy, right? But then you've got Zubots, who's a bruiser five. You had uh, Nurkic in there, another bruiser five. You have Jokic twice now. He didn't play against Gobert. Really, almost every night you're playing against a seven-foot 275 type of guy. And so AD is asked to defend Nikola Jokic and then not just thrive on the offensive end, but I think that on this team in particular, he has to provide a degree of skill that's necessary to make the whole thing work. And I just thought that his his jump shooting was really good in this game. And he didn't, I don't think he took any threes or anything, but I thought that just, you know, face up, little, you know, floater game, just all of that was he did a great job of that while handling that defensive responsibility and he had 15 boards tonight. It was like his numbers weren't the most eye popping, but I thought this was probably his best game, right? Just, just from in terms of controlling both ends of the action. And the Lakers went on a 22, nothing run in that period that you talked about. Like you said, LeBron was on the bench for a decent amount of it. And I thought that AD's ability, he can hold down perimeter groups in ways that no other player on the team can defensively. And so you can play those four, you know, perimeter type of player lineups that can really push the pace in a way that I thought really opened up the game. And then Denver's bench is very bad (laughs) for a number of reasons. They had a couple of injuries and they just aren't particularly deep in the first place. But in some in some respects, like we're still figuring out figuring out our starting lineup and we've closed second quarters really well. I thought that's been really interesting for a one and five team. We uh, the last eight minutes of second quarters have been, you know, really productive. And this game was that as well had our first halftime lead. So I'm starting to see some things start to kind of lock into place where Russ, you know, pushing the tempo up six minutes into the first and third quarters and kind of running a group like that. It's like guys are starting to fit into spots that are like, Hey, that's what they're supposed to do. That is what they're good at. That's where they can thrive. And so just little things like that, Troy Brown in the starting lineup, uh, all those types of details I think are, are really starting to lock into place. These little puzzle pieces being put together. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into more of them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you said that things are locking in to place because LeBron had said something similar um, after the last game, but it was more framed within the context of another loss, right? And he had sort of said, we're just trying to figure out what works at this point. And I think each night the Lakers are starting to get a better idea of, if not what works in absolute terms, what has a greater potential to work than the things that they have tried previously that maybe had a lesser potential. Give me something of that's working. that's working that maybe we didn't know would work at the beginning of the season. Well, look, like I think Troy Brown. You mentioned Brown, first guy that came to my mind too. Yeah. I think Brown's return. His yeah, he he's he's been instrumental, man. In in just his his understanding of what to do. And we've had a similar conversation about like Wenyon Gabriel versus Damian Jones, right? Where Gabriel has really shown an acumen for what he needs to do as a big man on on this roster. And I think that it's led to him playing significantly better than Damian Jones in the minutes that they've both received this season. And Jones basically got one shift in the first half. He did not play well again. Wenyon got a couple of shifts. He got a decent sized shift in the first first half and got a, a short shift in the second half. You see it with Wenyon in the way where he is really starting to pick things hey. up. Oh, Mike Trudell has joined the pod. Hey, Are you in your car pod. right now? Here's I didn't our mean guy. to crash the pot. I am in my car in the bowels of the arena, and I just wanted to say hello because uh, you guys are probably going to ignore the group thread while you're while you're uh, you know podcasting away here. What's happening? What, For sure, man. Oh, no, man. Talk to us, man. What do you no, see tonight? First, you tell me what I what I missed. Like, what what's the because this is great radio when you guys summarize what you just talked about for 15 minutes. we talked so we in the first part we talked about uh russ coming off the bench uh had darius thought that was one of uh russ's better games as a laker and then ad's kind of two-way superstardom going from you know having to deal with Jokic on one end to i thought his jump shooting was really good in this game just kind of provided some offensive superstardom and 15 rebounds right just we're talking about how like things are it's I, I, I keep thinking of this season like a 10,000 piece puzzle. And at the beginning, you don't have a lot of it connected, but there's just like little, little bits that are coming together. And 
Darius brought up Troy Brown, and he was a guy you liked uh, at the beginning of the year, Mike. He's somebody that I think his ability on the boards, his ability to defend, 6'11 wingspan, he gives us kind of that uh, some semblances of that wing that we've been missing. Yeah, I think that the word I would use to take out of the post game, and, and so Russ and AD and LeBron and Darvin all just talked, and so that, that's I was just there about you know 45 seconds ago. And I think that if you pull out identity, like that's some, something that they can – hang their hat on. This is the way that the Lakers are going to play. And Russ coming off the bench is a big part of that because that sort of sets the starting lineup in a bit more of a sensible type of a group. And then Russ can come in and play the way closer to how he wants to play and try to energize some of the other guys like in Austin or uh, on a different night, Kendrick Nunn. He didn't play much tonight. It was Matt Ryan in the second half there. And just some of that group that in that, that whole flow can just work a little bit better as a team. And that's what Darvin Ham, I think, has been trying to get to. The the decision to actually do it, I do think that that led to some of what the early season struggles were as they tried to figure out, okay, well, here's Russ in this lineup that doesn't make as much sense, and yet let's just go out and try to play anyway. And we saw them you know, not be able to get over the hump a couple of times, and that had something to do with it. But these last couple games, so AD didn't play in Minnesota. That was the biggest thing. But they, you, you still found a semblance of what that identity was with Russ in that role. And, and that, to me, guys, is, is what you take out of this one. So they're able to beat a good team, albeit one that was shorthanded and does not have a good bench when they're shorthanded. So it, it was kind of a prime time to see this experiment work better with Russ in that spot. But there, there was finally a, a sense of relief, I think, for all these guys and just getting that one out of the way. So now they can try to build on what this was tonight. We were going to hit Brown, but I think actually it would be a good time now to pivot to LeBron because he's the one guy who we haven't really spoken about yet. Um, Mike, Pete mentioned that in the first half we were, well, I know I was, I was like, what's going on with this dude right now? Like he did not have a very good first half at all. Pete mentioned that there were just um, some general focus issues. He had taken a couple of, um, he took that wild three. He had some misses in the restricted area. Um, He had some, some sort of subpar passes and, and was like getting rid of the ball at times and at passing angles that were just um inopportune that even if turnovers weren't, even if they didn't lead to turnovers right then, they led to deflections that got kicked out out of bounds and now they have to reset the play. And in the third quarter, though, he came out like none of that ever happened at all. And it was just like, hey, brand new Braun here right now. And he came out firing away. And I thought laser focused in a way that it was night and day to me between the level of care and um, commitment that he was showing to what the plan was in the third quarter during that first shift um, to what he had in the first half. So Pete and Mike, both of y'all talk, talk to me about what you saw from from LeBron and and just sort of like he showed that he still has some of that in him, right? Where it's just like, hey, I could take over for a good five or six minute stretch and just do my yeah, thing. Yeah, that, that first half again was was strange. It was a you know topic of a debate, like you said in in the thread. And I it was a lot of like focus stuff. That's really what it came down to more than anything. And so seeing him come out at halftime, especially on a team where AD had mentioned Mike after the game that, you know, we've been the worst 
scoring team in third quarters uh, in the league. And it looked like we were right on the path of doing that, right? We went down eight. We were up like four, I think, at halftime. And, you know, the the starters didn't play well. And But LeBron had come out really trying to carry that and, and carry the offense and uh, was able to do that, I think, to a great degree with his jump shot and then with just like a level of overpowering guys. But I think I, I kind of wonder where LeBron is. I don't want to like... I don't want to psychoanalyze too much. Right. But I think that there's a certain degree of like, I need to see you guys thriving to some degree. I, I like, I thought they picked him up in a way where like we, we talk a lot about how, you know, you need your superstars to really be the engine of everything. And I think right now, especially for a number of reasons, I think that signs of competence here and there in different elements, different groups, different guys, catching that pass, making that relocation like they're supposed to, knocking down that open corner three, that it's not even like a conscious thing, Mike, but just for morale's sake, even LeBron, even in year 20, just seeing other guys kind of step up and be able to carry some of the load, I thought energized him and he really helped carry us home, I thought in the last you know few minutes when it started slipping away. Yeah. We could do a whole 40 minutes uh, on just LeBron tonight. There was a lot there. Uh, the post game was, yeah. I think, a little bit too reflective of how his game was. And what, to what Pete just said, where, you know, he's still trying to figure out if what exactly this team can offer and how much does he have to do in year 20 and that burden. And it's it's a lot. And so I did not I didn't see quite the same shift that Darius saw because I. I rarely will disagree with something that Darius puts in the thread. And the fact that I, I wasn't sure that I agreed makes me want to watch the game over because Darius doesn't say stuff lightly. And if he saw that shift, then I assumed that it was there. Um, I, I felt like it was a little bit more that he was just making some shots from the perimeter. Um, he was four for 13 in the paint, a ton of missed layups. I think part of that has to do with focus part of it. I don't know if he had optimal lift at all times of the game, but the, the I think the greater point, as for the team and how it fits in, it's just that they did have other pieces on the team lift that. And they, like they did win a game that LeBron didn't have his best game. Um, and in really in, in any facet, uh, it, it wasn't a dominant LeBron effort. I did think the last couple minutes, though, like when he was fronting Jokic uh, in the fourth quarter, he he started to really become engaged on the defensive end late. And I thought that led to the Lakers being able to keep their margin because to, to now make an additional point, uh, because before I forget it, and apologies here, Darius, because I want to kick back to you on the LeBron point. But I thought it was building in a, in a way because the team was playing a certain way. And then Denver hit eight threes out of 11 attempts in the third quarter. And that was what really got them back in front. Like, it wasn't like the Lakers were playing different or were struggling a ton. You know, it just they kept kind of plugging away. And then Gordon hits end of the shot clock contested three. Man. And KCP goes. So, and then the Lakers... Once those three stopped all falling, the lead snowballed back the other direction for them. So I, I just wanted to mention that as the aberration, I thought, because I thought this, the Lakers really sustained a pretty solid defensive effort, especially. And then the shot making, you know, uh, put them over the top as well. When when Gordon hit that sidestep 28 footer to beat the buzzer after Murray. Now Murray's going to hit some crazy shots sometimes. So that one was like that one hurt but not as much as like freaking Aaron Gordon sidestepping for a three. It felt like a, a voodoo doll, you know, uh, type of type of thing. D. But we fought through that. And that's when we went on that big run. No, that's the thing. And and Mike, I would love to hear your thoughts after your rewatch, um, just because on TV, it did look a certain way with Braun. I, like, I just thought he didn't have the same pep 
and just sort of, you know, when you're watching a guy who is dialed in and then you're watching a guy who is maybe not as dialed in. And LeBron is one of those guys where I just thought in the first half, it didn't look like he was all the way there. And then to Pete's point, I thought that after in the fourth quarter, especially so in the second half, I would just say that he came out firing and then Denver did what they did. And, and it was just like, oh, man, like like this, this again, Aaron Gordon shooting 10.5 percent on threes and deciding that today's the day he's going to go three for four from three. And Mike, the last the last Dan Denver game, Jamal Murray couldn't buy a bucket. But this game, he's hitting jumper after jumper, although the Lakers kept him off the foul line, which I thought was super important to their success overall. But I thought that run that the Lakers went on did put the team back in the proper mindset. And then I thought when in the fourth quarter, things did start to look like they were going to to slip away. Um, Denver got it to within five and Darvin Ham called a timeout. And then there was a three possession sequence, which I thought was super important, where they call a play for AD. AD hits... Um, he hits a little jump hook in the lane or, or a turnaround jumper to put the team back up seven. Then Michael Porter gets a three and it's like, oh man, like, okay, it's four now. Denver's, they still got, got this vibe. And then AD gets a late clock post up. He turns and faces and, and he hits a, he, he hits a face up jumper to put the Lakers back up six. And then the Lakers get a stop where Jokic has great, Offensive rebounding position underneath the basket, and LeBron swooped in from the top of the key, knocked it away from Jokic, stole the ball away. Yeah, me neither. I thought he was going to knock it right out of bounds, but then he like he ensnared it all in one motion. Right, turned and went up the court. AD Mm -hmm. was rim running with his bad back, but he rim ran, sunk the entire defense with him, and Braun just stopped at the top of the key. I was just like, oh, Mm -hmm. oh. No one's on me. Let me bomb this three. Canned it. Lakers up nine. And it's just like, ah, all the momentum was back, Mike. Can I ask you guys a question about the shooting? So obviously they made shots, right? 13 for 30, 43%. Darvin said that he thought that the energy that they played with kind of led them. And Russ had Mm -hmm. something to do with this. The pace, you know, had them, had the ball popping. A little more so that, you know, when they when guys were getting it, it was more often that Denver, you know, wasn't closing out in time or it just seemed like there was a little more space. But as as two that watched it on TV, I, I th- your perspective is going to be better than mine on this one. So I'm just curious if, if you thought it was totally different from the previous games or they just happened to hit more and then that builds confidence. Like what what was the shooting situation tonight, Pete? I, so I I thought they created better looks, but I thought. Most of it was they were going in. And then I think there's a certain confidence that comes with seeing the ball go through the hoop a couple of times. And uh, but that pace, I do think, is the most translatable and you have control over this part of it and that I want to focus on, because 
we saw the half court offense, particularly when Russ subbed back in. So that was something interesting, right? We were up by 11 or so. Russ subs back in at the five minute mark. The same thing happens in the Clippers game and in the Portland game. Now, Russ in this game was having a much better game than he was having in those games, although he was defending quite well. And I think this was another game where just defensively on the boards, we won the rebounding battle despite being smaller. I think that Russ contributed to just the energy. I got a big offensive rebound uh, on kind of a stale possession later. But D, this is the part of the game where I think Russ's personality and pace clashes with LeBron and AD's personality and pace the most. Now, there's a, a very obvious and correct argument to be made that when LeBron is your primary ball handler, Russ is not used to being on the court and not being like the primary guy. Now there's some things and I think that there's chemistry developed between LeBron and eight and LeBron, the big and Russ as the, uh, later bike <laughs> midpoint. Uh, sorry guys. I was just told if I don't m- move my car, I'm going to be trapped in here. There's like a semi coming in into the Lakers in the underground of the tunnel. So I, uh, I bid you adios and, uh, and a good night. <laughs> Have a good night, Mike. That's right. Yeah, I'm Mike, we can't have the Lakers win and you lose no, 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 by sir. getting stuck oh, in the arena. Night. Thanks so. for hopping on. <laughs> All so right. last five minutes of the game, D. Russ, you want LeBron to have the ball in his hands, right? And Russ is not like and, – and Russ is – like what Russ does in those situations is less obvious. But I think there's another part of it where we often like walk the ball up court. We walk to positions. We don't even really get into anything at all until there's like seven seconds left. And we spent the whole game. I think we were stuck on like 113 points or 115 for a minute. And like, and I'm watching and I'm cussing at the TV because we haven't won a game and I'm super stressed and thinking we're going to blow every lead that we have. And I'm like, you spend the whole game playing a certain way getting a certain number of points. And then in the last five minutes, you slow down and you walk everything. Uh, You walk everything up court. So talk to me about that, man. That idea of the last few minutes of the game, we lost a lot of the pace of what I think has made us good. And I think that finding that identity, that right there is super important to stay with what got you there. Even if it's that last five minutes and it's slowed down, right? But like, be be intentional, be brisk with what you do, right? Like you can slow it down, run clock and all of that. But it, do you get where I'm coming from? Because we lose a lot of what like, what got us there. I do. And this is where, mm-hmm. to me, there is a difference between pace and tempo, right? And it's one of the things that I try that I've tried to make a distinction of when I talk to like other basketball fans and and, and I'm trying to sort of uh, describe my view of things. And it's just like pace a lot of times is up and down the court, up and down the court. And that's how we think about pace, like sort of second seven seconds or less. And I thought the Lakers, when they went on their run, it was a lot of pace stuff, right? But in the half court, one of the things that I think the Lakers can do better is play with more tempo. And that is moving in between spaces, how quickly you run and move around the court, how quickly you get into your actions, and just the level of verve that you're showing within all of the parts of your half court sets. And it's and it's interesting that you mentioned that the Lakers got away from playing with pace and they totally did. But I will say, and this is a small difference, but I think it's an important difference in 
the last game, particularly in the Portland game, LeBron was walking the ball up the court, like literally walking. And he was probably Mm -hmm. getting it across half court at the 16 second mark, like basically beating the eight second clock almost every single time. Right. And in this game, he wasn't sprinting up court or by no means. And Russ wasn't either when Russ was bringing the ball, ball up, but they were at least like jogging and getting up into the half court with like 20 seconds left or, or 19 or 18 seconds left. And those two to three seconds matter within the context of then what you're going to do next. And so I agree with you that they need to play with more pace and, and they need to do it more throughout the game. But one of the things I thought that the Lakers did do well is that they said, we're going to go to the thing yeah, that we want to works. go to yeah. now. And that's what we're going to run right this, right this minute. Right. And, and so it's like LeBron, they went, they went some um, guard wing screen, screen and roll stuff, but it was mainly just to get switches. And LeBron got a post up against KCP. He backed him out. He ball faked and he drew two fouls, right? The next possession down or two possessions later, um, they went to AD, right? Or, or they went to LeBron again and then AD got the tip and then he missed a tip and then he tipped it in again. And that's when he hurt his back. Right. And that was a super important basket because I think that put them up nine, I want to say, with about two minutes left. And so that was a super important possession. One of the things that Russ did as well when AD was really hurting, it then became like a LeBron and like a LeBron and Russ show, but it was LeBron on the ball and Russ off of the ball. And this Mm -hmm. is where I thought Russ's energy Mm -hmm. really mattered is that he got a couple of key offensive rebounds that really did, I don't want to say save the Lakers the game, but extended their possessions in ways that they were huge, like momentum plays, right? Like where Denver gets that, that's like, oh, it's cut down to two if they score right there. Like just in the flow of the game, those those were really big plays. Yeah. And so even that last possession where um, LeBron drove and then he threw that rocket of a pass to AD. And I don't yeah. even know how AD caught that pass. And he to got tell it you up the truth, to the rim. AD's back was already hurt and he was ground bound. And in one I, motion, mm-hmm. he like caught it and flung it up at the yeah. basket because there was only like two seconds left on the shot clock. And Russ came all the way from the other side of the court. He came from the right mm-hmm. side, from the right corner. And AD shot that shot on the left side of the paint. And Russ came in and grabbed the offensive rebound, dribbled Jamal out. Murray. LeBron was That's calling the for the ball, and Russ mm-hmm. waved him off because who was on him? Jamal Murray was on him. And like I said, Pete, he was hunting him. And Russ has been doing this thing the last couple games, and he does it all, all of the time. But you talk a lot about like NFL pass rushers, but Russ uses a pass rusher move when he's driving to the basket. Side. He will. Mm-hmm. He Russ loves to attack middle from the left side of the court right with his right so he's driving with his right hand that swim move and he Mm -hmm. will he will chop up with his left hand in order to like sort of swim move up through a guy and it it looks like a very natural like it's part of my shooting motion sort sort of thing and he's not looking to hook and grab your arm the way that like james it's not a grifting move 
right? He is doing it to dislodge you in order to then gain momentum to get to, to the basket. And he beat Murray with that exact sort, sort of play multiple times. And he drew a foul and got to the foul line and knocked yeah. them both down there. And that was just another Russ play. So I think it's fitting that we started the pod with Russ. And right now we're ending the pod with Russ yeah. because it really was a game where his fingerprints were all over this game. And that's not something you've been able to say about many Lakers games with Russell Westbrook. And, and but this was one of them. And I can see now why after the fact, Darvin yeah. was saying that yeah. the second group is sort of built for Russ to do his thing. And it's sort of what I think Ham has mm-hmm. been trying to envision and try to talk to Russ about in terms of what his vision is for this. And tonight I thought we saw a better version of that. And it's important that when you do do that, you gain trust by winning the basketball game. And they went out there and did it tonight. There's a remarkable picture um, that I saw going through Getty images tonight after the end of the game where Darvin Ham is like hugging Russ, but he's like holding his head and like pulling him close. It's very, very sweet picture. Right. And just, there's a level of resilience that this team has shown that like last year's team, I, I hated that team (laughs) in a lot of ways. Like I just hated how they played and I haven't hated this year's team. Like there've been times where I've just been like, you guys cannot make a freaking shot, but I've respected how they've played. Right. For for the most part, they've, they've played very hard, really uh, happy that we got our first win. Happy that Russ was a big part of it. Good to see him looking like himself. We've got a couple days off. Uh, Got Wednesday is the next game against the Pelicans. We will be back tomorrow to talk more Lakers, but until then, even the Cinder Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bat next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, missing. Bryant, unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot popped out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.